Podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps, any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. Hey, get the apps. No charge means no excuses. Go tell somebody. Hey, why wouldn't you? How is everybody doing today? What a time to be alive. No, I can't, I can't do, I can't do, it's freer than, I just, my mind is blown, really, by the things that are taking place, uh, right in front of our face, and, I don't know, I'm I'm just, I'm at a loss for words, which is rare. How's everybody doing today? I got some other words for you. What a time to be alive, so much going on, it it really, it's uh, kind of head spinning, but aren't you glad we got Jesus in our life? I can't imagine what living in these days would look like without him. I don't want to either. So I appreciate you all tuning in today. We are in a good long series titled Doorways to Deception. Doorways. We are chipping away at the enemy's lies. We're exposing those so that we don't get caught off guard. We're looking at what I call doorways these places in our life that uh, we could possibly be leaving room for the devil to get in and attack us. We've been looking at how he is able to do so. Um, And I know a lot of them that I've covered probably don't pertain to some of you listening out there. I'm just hoping to educate you for when we do run into some of those people who do talk this way. But some of this is is very sneaky. And, uh, you know, we look at Ephesians 4. It's so simple, but it is very revealing. Verse 27 says, neither give place to the devil. And I love that because what that tells me is he can't just take place. The devil can't just up and walk into our lives at any given time, but it does expose an issue, giving place. Now, that's on us because we also know the Bible says that he is always seeking whom he may devour. So he's coming by, but will he find an opening in you? Have we left some doors open? Do we? See, the devil can only gain access in your life when we allow him to do so. And the way that he is able to do so, we know is that he has to deceive you, defraud you. Only if you and him come into agreement is he able to have any effect in your life. And so again, because he is the father of lies, the deceiver of the brethren. Well, that's what he has to do. He has to fool us with those wiles of the devil, this trickery. And what he's trying to do is, to get you to partner with the lie so that it can open a doorway for him to enter. And then what? Stealing, killing, destroying. So we've been looking at this through the armor that has been given to every believer found in Ephesians 6. This armor is to protect us from these deceptions. And again, I I want you to be sure to remember that the devil isn't all that he used to be. This is just simply a being that has realized that his power is very limited. That he's, so what? He had to master the craft of lying. 
He has no power. He has no authority, but that which we give to him. So let's continue to recognize these doorways. Let's learn how to slam them shut in his face, and let's learn how to keep them shut this time. Now, so far, we have recognized a few different doorways, or we could even say some holes in the armor, if you will. And uh, this is what I was talking about. You know, we, we talked about those who really don't believe that the devil is real. And again, maybe that's not you, but we do run into that issue with people. And so I wanted you to know how to handle that. We saw some staggering statistics on that number of Christians or people who claim to be Christians. We then moved from that to, okay, well, well, uh, we believe that he's real, but you know what? There's just nothing that you can do to stop him. He's way too powerful for somebody like you. That's a lie. We discussed uh, how many do not believe that the Bible to be absolute truth. We talked about you feeling not worthy. And I just want you to kind of see the progression here, right? Well, the devil isn't real. Well, okay, okay. Well, he's real, but oh, man, he's way too powerful for, for me. Okay, well, wait, maybe he's not too powerful because the word of God is powerful. Oh, wait, you mean it was just written by men? Oh, well, maybe it's not actually the word of God then. Okay, okay, wait, no, no, the Bible is the truth. Oh, but I'm not, I'm not really worthy of being able to really use the Bible or expect that I can do what the Bible says. The word of God, I'm not worthy to be able to expect that it would work for somebody like me. And it's just like that. He just keeps coming like he did with Jesus. Let's try this angle. Okay, well, that didn't work. Let's go this way. And Jesus had to answer every single time, no, it is written. And that's what we're doing here today, because the devil knows what is written. He's banking on you not knowing. Guys, you know, ignorance and faith do not go well together, right? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So it's very important that we are hearing the right things, because faith comes by hearing. So what about this one? This is kind of a big one. The deception that, you know, I'm really... I'm really just kind of too busy to work for God like that. Boy, how many times have we just gotten caught up at different seasons in our lives just doing life, right? I mean, we do live on this earth. There are some responsibilities that we have, and this one can just get so sneaky because it's not necessarily that you're sinning, right? It's not like I'm out there and wasting my time uh, going to the bars, uh, let's say, and, and just sitting around drinking when I should be out preaching, maybe. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I'm just, it's like I go to work, and I, my day gets away from me. Next thing I know, you know, maybe I go to the gym, and, and by the time I eat, and, you know, do, do I have? My day's gone, and we can kind of get caught up in this one. And, again, not, not through great sin and, and that we're just out there wasting time or we're out worshiping the devil, you know. It's just that we can seem like we're just too busy, And the devil can take this in so many different angles because you can get real busy with church too. Let's talk about it. I'm going to get ahead of myself. So we're looking into the armor here. How about in Ephesians 6 and verse 15, and your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, let me say this because it's not just preaching on peace. Don't don't get too specific. What would bring peace into somebody's life who's living in poverty? Well, to know that they don't have to be poor anymore. What would bring peace into the life of somebody sick and dying of cancer or somebody that has a disease physically? Hey, you can be healed. 
what would bring peace into somebody's life who's just been tormented? Well, to know that God loves them. So the gospel of peace, we're talking about the gospel. What brings peace? Not just preaching on peace specifically. Your feet are shod, Ephesians 6, 15. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God's plan for you in this life involves using all the resources with which he has entrusted you to spread the gospel of peace. You put on this piece of armor when you're stepping up and stepping out to make a determined effort to let God use you to bring his power into somebody else's life through the gospel. And let me say this. Let me say this with this here because this is a part of the deception. This whole idea that I just, I, I really don't have time to make this concentrated effort to go, because we think, right, because isn't that what we do? Hey, we're getting a team together, and we're going to go out Saturday. I don't have time Saturday. Hey, well, we're getting a thing together. You know, we're going to have a tent revival. We're going to have people together. I don't have time, you know. It's this idea that we have to muster together this event and plan it and do this thing, and you got to schedule out a chunk and to do this. Guys, that's part of the deception. You can do that. Well, I really just don't have to. Listen, really, how much time does it take, friends? We can get so deceived into thinking that we're having no real impact unless we're preaching from a pulpit or that it was a planned out uh, outing, hosting some Bible study, or, well, I I just don't have time to be in full-time ministry, air quotes here, full-time ministry. Friend, let me tell you something. You are right now in full-time ministry. There is an eternity surrounding you and every person that you meet. And what the devil is doing is trying to make what you have to offer in the time that you have to offer it from whatever platform that you're offering it from, he's looking to make that seem like it's really not enough. You really don't have enough time to really make an impact here. So don't bother. I tell our people this all the time. Everywhere you go, an invisible pulpit is going to drop down in front of you and you're going to have an opportunity to preach your message. What are you going to say? See, the deception is simple. The enemy will convince you that your other priorities don't really leave me any room to really have time to truly make a difference. I mean, you know, that's pastor's job anyway. That's what most people think. There's pastors, there's evangelists, there's those people that are called to to go and do that. And you know, those that we call full-time preachers. And honestly, that's what they get paid for. Such bull. The real issue is, for one, it's you standing there with this person. You are the one that the Spirit of God has nudged to recognize. You're the one that somebody has prayed for. You're that laborer that somebody's been praying for to come across the path of somebody. You stand in there with this person. You're the one that the Spirit of God has nudged to recognize in the moment, hey, I want you to do something here. You overheard a conversation. Why? Because he wanted you to. You, you, somebody caught your eye. Like uh, Michelle and I were in the store the other day, and there's a girl on the phone, and she is crying and upset. Ain't nobody else paying attention to this girl. But I saw her, and I had to do something about it. This is what I'm talking about. Come on, God is looking at you. God has nudged you to recognize in that moment, I want you to do something here. So to walk away from that, friends, you're blowing an opportunity. Think 
you know, why would we walk away thinking what, what, that they may stumble into church one day? Or let's say you do approach and, well, hey, I, I want to invite you to come to church. Well, that's okay, but listen to me. Whatever the need is in their life, and there you are, God's prompting you in the moment. The door is open for you to touch their life, and you think the answer is come to church? And what's the odds that I, as a pastor, might be ministering on what they need that day? Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that God can't do it that way. I'm not saying that God hasn't done it that way or that the Spirit can take whatever you're preaching and be sure that person needs to hear what they need to hear on that day. Right? But, but let me tell you something. I would dare to place the bet on the face-to-face ministry right there in that moment is yielding better results than the I hope they come to church. Right? I told them. But why don't we? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm really busy. I got a family to raise. Wife to take care of. I need, I need to work. I got to make money. On and on and on. Or again, it's an encounter and we feel the need to, uh, I really just, I would need more time to really make a difference here in, in a different setting. Oh, this just came to me, this testimony. Boy, this is perfect uh, talking about, because you know, if I could just sit down with this person and really explain it, Lord, I, I just don't feel like I have time. Guys, we have Holy Spirit who brings things to your remembrance. Okay, so I'm, I'm walking, um, long story short, at a food assistance program, two ladies bring in a friend and they're basically her crutches, right? These are poverty stricken people. These three women are in their 30s, filthy. I mean, dirt, literally dirt on them. And their friend has a problem with her leg and obviously, you know, can't afford medical help. And so they are her crutches. They are walking her. And so they're dragging this leg and I'm following it. Like I can see in the gravel where her leg has drug out to the car. We, we load up the food. We take the car out. We offer prayer. Or we take uh, the food out to the car. We offer prayer to people. And so I'm just talking about in the limited time, what could I do? Could I really have an impact? Do I have time to really make any kind of impact here, right? Because we're talking just moments. This isn't, this isn't taking people out and preaching an hour sermon to them, right? So you don't know where they stand. And so this is a great example. So take these three ladies out. It's me and, and, this, and this other girl that, that walks them out. And, and so I'm like, what's, what's wrong? Well, we don't know. I have a dead leg. Something's wrong with my leg. It just doesn't work. It hasn't worked. I don't have any money. And so my friends helped me and we're just here to get food and, you know, just, just poverty stricken. And so, um, you know, I start my spiel. Well, you know, do you know, you know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And they looked at me like a cow looking at a new gate. They looked at me like, and the one girl said, the baby in a manger? And they weren't being smart, Alec. They didn't have a clue about the Lord and Savior. Jesus, the baby in a manger? She said, the baby in a manger? I'm like, uh, yeah. And so right there, my mind is going, God, where do you go with this? Where do you go with this? Back to Genesis? I mean, what? How far do you go back to the birth of Jesus and and try to take them through the gospels with a message? And, you know, if in your natural mind, you could stand there and say, oh, I'm just, you know, God bless you. Uh, You know, how how could I make an impact here? Do I have time to make an impact? So this right away, what happens? Holy Spirit is going to make something happen in the time that we have. I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do I do? And I said, uh, so then I, I go back to the legs. So 
your leg. Um, I said, okay, here's the deal. God heals people. I'm going to pray for your leg and God's going to heal your leg. Okay. And, and then something's going to happen to you. And they're like, okay, okay. So me and, and this uh, Jody is, is the girl's name. We get down there, we pray for that leg, command it to work in the name of Jesus, in the name of, you know, by his stripes and kind of run through that quickly, you know, because again, how much time do I have? And so as, as we're standing there and I told those two girls, I said, okay, you have to let her go. She's going to fall. We're not going to let her go. I said, you have to let her go. Let her go. And they're like, and so they're, they're trying to let her go easy as she's kind of hopping, hopping on the, you know, and, and, and I said, let her go. And, and so they did. And I kind of nudged her and she put that foot down. And I mean, she screamed and took off like jogging and they're screaming. I mean, they are freaking out and they're like, what, what, I, what? I don't, I don't understand what. And I said, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Listen to me. They had an encounter. They didn't get a message from me. They got a message from Holy Spirit. They were able to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then we were able to talk to him a little bit. But he was able to reveal himself. Why? What am I saying? You always have time because Holy Spirit, in the time that you have, can do so, so much. Oh, if I could just sit down with this person and really explain it. We don't always get that, do we? So what do we do? We're called to that ministry of reconciliation. That's what I was doing. But I took what? Meaning drawing people to God. Through what? Whatever talent or gifting that God has placed on the inside of you. For me, I have no problem walking up to people and asking to pray for them. Talking to them about God and healing the hurts. I watched our head of security, Curtis, and his weapon is a big old smile and his laugh. He's able to get into people's lives because he's just, hey, how, hey, how you doing? Doesn't, doesn't need to know you. He acts like he knows you. He's able to get into people's lives that way. But what about time? We get so caught up in I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And let me say this, we can even get really busy working in the kingdom that we forget about the king. I'm going to say that one again. I thought that was good. Thank you. We can get so busy working in the kingdom, we forget about the king. I've seen people use ministry as an excuse that they don't have time. How messed up is that? But that is right? That is that, that, that one, that's the deceiver. If the devil can get you to fill your life with your own pursuits, then he's going to get your eyes, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to get your eyes off of trying to meet other people's needs and turned inwardly to all my own needs. But I mean, I'm, I'm trying to work really hard right now so that I can eventually minister to people full time, if you will. Lies, deceptions, walking over people dying so that eventually I'll have time to minister to the dying. He can get you so busy with church and Christian functions that he can keep you busy enough and distracted enough. We're going to walk right over the sick and dying hordes of humanity so we can host a Christian event. I had a man walk into the food assistance program I was involved with, and, and the idea was, to, again, to give them food, walk them out to their car, ask if you can pray with them. This man had a young son. I later found out who was eight years old, and so I start my speech about how great our church is and the music and the children's program. And hey, you can come dressed as you are and on and on and on. He said, listen, I appreciate that you love your church and all, but I'm dying of cancer. And on Monday, this was Saturday, on Monday, I got to go see my doctor to see what body parts that they can cut off of me so I can live, live a little bit longer with my son. So I appreciate it and all, but what is your God going to do about my cancer? I said, oh, oh, oh. I said, uh, God's going to heal that cancer right now. I'm so sorry. Let me pray right now. So, I mean, just a, a few short minutes and I prayed. 
He came back the next month, 30 days later, totally cancer-free with all of his body parts. How much, what, what did I bring to him? The gospel of peace. How much time do we really need? No, I was equipped with the gospel of peace. I had my shoes on that day. If you fall into this deception, that I'm just really too busy, you will never be able to truly walk into the calling of God because, hello, God's heart is saving that which is lost. Look at Jesus' life in the gospel. Tell me the times that Jesus had time to minister to somebody. Look at all the times that it records that Jesus was on his way to minister to someone else, preach somewhere else, and what? Gets approached, gets stopped, gets interrupted along the way, and he what? Hey, well, just follow me to the next town. I'm preaching tonight at 7. Having a tent revival. over. You ought to come. Hey, I'll get you the dates. If you fall into this, that you are, if, if you're going to fall into this one, you will be no threat to Satan's kingdom. You will, you will never come close to expecting God's best in your life. So listen to me here. God will always dispense his power in accordance with his purposes. And his highest purpose is to save that which is lost. And so healing might come. A miracle, deliverance, peace, joy. What do you need to accomplish? Maybe the healing of a broken heart. So I'm, I'm going to get a little bit off here today, but listen to me. If it's physical healing they need, you have that gospel of peace with you now. If it's deliverance from demonic torments, you have that gospel in you at a moment's notice because you put your shoes on that day. The gospel of peace, that wherever my feet shall take me, I've got a gospel message backed by the power of God that sets captives free. Stop departmentalizing the gospel. So-and-so so anointed for this and this one for that one, and they're so anointed, and if I could just call so-and-so, they really know how to do this. And that way we've made people into specialists. Well, so-and-so runs our deliverance ministry. Let me get you in touch. You are filled with the entire gospel inside of you. You have the person of gospel inside of you. You will always and will always have the power to perform it if you'll step out. The Christ in you is their hope of glory. God will do what it takes to save that which is lost. So many people, I mean, all the time. I just, I want to see God's power in my life. I've watched how God has operated in your life. I mean, the miracles and the salvations and those baptized. And the whole, I want to experience that for myself. I so want it. What's stopping you? Nothing stopped me. No man gave this to me. No man can take it from me either. Oh, and many have tried. Good luck. I'm still here. What I'm, what I'm noticing is those who talk like this are saying it from the sidelines. I sure wish I could score a touchdown, but then get off of your blessed assurance and get into the game. I had a coworker who attended a If It Be Thy Will church, and most of the time it wasn't God's will. You know what I'm talking about when it comes to healing. So I'm at work talking about miracles. You know, I want to see a miracle. Why haven't I ever seen a miracle? I go to, you know, I said, hey, well, you ever been where miracles are happening? You ever been somewhere where somebody needs a miracle? I mean, really? Have you ever gotten into the game? You want to sit back and hope that somebody's going to walk into your if it be thy will church and maybe you're going to see a miracle? Get to where miracles are happening. And he did. He came to me. He, he came with me that day when we saw Linda Sanchez's eyes grow back into her head when she had no eyeballs. That's a whole big other story. He placed himself into a situation to see the gospel manifested. 
But those who are spending very little time and effort and money to further the gospel to a lost world want to sit back and say, show me your glory, Lord. No. Get moving. I've said this before, but God is not your stripper. You think you're going to flash him some bucks and he's going to show you something? In any true relationship, it's equal exposure. In a true marriage relationship, it's equal exposure. You don't get to flip out some dollar bills on a Sunday and say, I gave my tithe, show me your glory. God ain't your stripper. Is that too hard for you? Well, I hope it is. There's people out here dying, and we're playing some kind of game in here where we just want to experience goosebumps. Give me a break. You have the gospel on the inside of you. You have the word, the man who he was, he was the word made flesh and he lives on the inside of you and you're gonna settle for some goosebumps in here and throw down your tithe money and say, show me your glory, do something in my life. Get your butt off the seat and get to doing something. People are dying out here. Get moving, you have the gospel. The power with accompanying signs within you right now. You want God to dispense his power outside of the purpose? That's like those in the Bible that would continuously tell Jesus, well, just show us a miracle. Well, you don't need a miracle. I'm not just going to work a miracle because you want to see a miracle. No, if you want to step out, though, the power for it's going to meet you right there. But if you want to sit back and be too busy, don't expect much then. And that's the truth. This one's probably not going to be one of my most popular ones. Listen, if you want to see more of God's power in your life, you're going to have to start aligning your life to his purpose and pursuits and not your own. God understands that you have a job. He understands that we have a life here that we're living. Don't you think he has a way to make a way for this to work for you? Start using what he's already given to you. Listen, let me give you a little history. I wasn't a guy that thought much about ministry growing up. My father would eventually become a pastor when I was around 14 years old. But, you know, at that time, what am I going to do? I'm going to start running from God. I'm going to be out sinning and drugs and sex and drinking, really just doing whatever I wanted to do. But... God was always, always pulling on my heart. I knew it. I couldn't get away from it. So when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get serious now. Serious to me was, well, I, I had some connections to be able to get into a Bible college. I didn't necessarily meet their requirements in my life, but, um, you know, it's going to help turn me around. And I was really using it as a rehab, if you will. That's not how it's supposed to be, but I, God had a plan. This will help straighten me out. And I did. I learned a bunch, and it was great. But as far as doing something for God, well, my heart was to be a helper. I, I just, I'm good at helping. So I learned sound, how to run the sound board, uh, started playing the drums, uh, ushering, mowing the grass, work, you know, just do hands-on stuff, stuff that will simply benefit the particular church that I attended. And let me tell you, that's good too. They, churches need help with that. Absolutely. But eventually, as many of you man, I, I, I really want to see the power of God. That church was set up that leadership had the power and you're just here learning and, you know, we're feeding you and you just show up, you know. I mean, you, you know, God loves you and, you, you know, you're, you, you know, it's more of an everyday life type of thing, like go to work, be a good person, right? But I want to start seeing the power of God. I mean, we would host these meetings or go to these meetings where the Spirit of God would move and people were getting healed. I mean, amazing. Okay, well, that's good. But man, my heart would burn for those outside of the church. What can I do with all these people that I run into? Because this was awesome, but they weren't there. 
Well, they just need to church. They just need to get to church. This is what we heard. Well, they just need to get to church. Well, okay, that's crap. How many of you know that you can get to church and still not get to Jesus, right? I'm kind of fired up today. I don't know what's going on. So, so I, I, I'm I'm not mad though. So here I am. I, I get out of Bible school and, and I'm asked to start a prayer and healing school. And I remind you, I haven't prayed for anybody to be healed myself. I mean, you know, I've been a part of others praying, you know, hey, we need to pray for someone. I remind you, I haven't prayed for anybody to ever be healed myself. I've never truly laid hands on somebody at that time expecting a miracle, like just me saying, I'm going to pray for you, you know. I I wanted to. I saw it in others, but not me. You know, and so that's where that kind of came from. Oh, they're so anointed, you know. They're pastors, and they've been in it, and evangelists, and they're missionaries, and you know. But I do know what the Bible says, having just passed with all A's from Bible school. So I I definitely had an academic faith upstairs here in my brain, but I didn't really know anything like street smarts, right? Like the real application of doing what the Bible says, but I wanted to. I so wanted to see people get saved and healed and set free because I thought this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And so here I am, I'm teaching this healing school and no lie for five years, an average of five people would come every Tuesday. For five years, and the largest group we had was 10 one time. And again, that's if you count me, Matt, my mom, and Dion, the regulars. Well, so we're feeling the call to do more because nobody's coming and step out. I want to see miracles. So what was the answer, Lord? See, because I I mean, I'm Mr. Church boy, right? I'm Mr. Church helper guy. I will paint. I will mow. I'll do drywall. I'm going to clean. I'm going to do sound. I'll do praise and worship. I'll set up. I'll tear down, get pastors water, carry you by. I don't know, but I want to see miracles. I want to see salvations. Well, guess what? Get out of the church once in a while. Go somewhere where miracles are needed. Do these same five people need them? Go. So we did. Let's step out. And let me tell you, it was met with disdain and anger from church leadership because, hey, they just need to come to church. But here we go. Who am I? I have four children. I'm not a licensed or ordained minister. I was a head usher, Bible study, you know, uh, teacher, five people for five years. You know, very busy trying to work and pay employees and church activities. And my kids going in different directions with games and programs. And how do you do it? Here, here's something very deep. How do you do it? Just do it. So we decided to step out in our local coffee shop where... The people go, right? It's their place. And we asked if we could host healing school there. And our first night, 50 people showed up from all over the community, all walks of life. By the time we were done, we had to leave that place because we ran out of room. The air conditioner wouldn't even hold up. We broke furniture. We had, we had 70 people packed into a place that would hold 35. But we had people driving from all over the state to come and miracles and salvations and casting out devils in the public at the coffee shop. Make time. I wanted to see the power of God, so go. Nobody's stopping you from going. Oh, I know, we think that we got to get, see, this is the problem. Well, we want to get in the pulpit at church. I'm going to tell on myself, it drives me nuts when people take the microphone from me sometimes and just got to preach their message up here. There is a whole lost and dying world right outside the doors that you ain't even talking to. And you want to get up here? Nobody's stopping you from the grocery store. I'm always alert, looking, listening. Eventually, what took place, we started making house calls, just went yesterday, going and praying for people, not putting them on some list, not calling pastor. We were church-wise, nobody's, a head usher and his friend, seeing miracles, watching people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Nobody approved of it. Nobody gave us the blessing, quite the opposite, even to this day. But if you want to see it, 
go get it. Step out and bring the gospel of peace that you have. And believe me that God can do more with five minutes than you could do in a church service in 65 minutes. I'm going to tell you a saying. I'll modify it a little bit. It's a business saying, but let me modify it. No man or woman on their deathbed will look back and say, boy, I sure wish I would have spent more time in church services. And again, this is in context to what we're talking about. Going or staying. Going or bringing that gospel to the world or wow, I sure wish I would have just stayed in the services and learned, learned more. We have to take this out of the four walls. We have to make it a part of your everyday life, people. The devil tried to deceive me over and over again that I was just too busy. So I would do my best to do what? Still go to games, go to programs, make time to go heal the sick. Didn't matter if I lost a little sleep. Hello, lost a little sleep. It was never convenient, never the right time, but I made time. I made opportunities to share the gospel, and you can too. You'll always have too much to do, I promise. So what's the priority? And by the way, don't allow guilt to come in. Oh, you're sacrificing your children's lives for the church now. No, I'm not. But they too had to come to an understanding that if somebody's life is on the line, dad's going to go. And we were able to have those conversations and to be able to schedule things properly. But the devil will lie to you. You just don't have time. I remember how I, I got in trouble by my pastor for missing a Wednesday night to go to somebody's home and heal them of cancer. He was so mad because I wasn't there ushering. These are the things that the devil's going to try to use to discourage you. Do it some other time. Well, Matt and I, after we got chewed out on that Wednesday night, we were still a little tender because it, it was, it, I mean, we got chewed out. We had an, an, an opportunity on a Sunday to go pray for somebody who was very sick in the community. And we're like, we better wait till after church. And they died while we were sitting at church clapping our happy little freaking hands. They died. Never again. Never again. We had a lady call on a Tuesday about coming to pray for her sister. Well, Tuesday's healing school. So what did we do? What better healing school than to grab 15 people from healing school and say, we're going to go down and pray for this woman's sister. Listen, we show up and the woman's upset. She's like, what is all this? Because we brought a group. What is all this? I don't want any. She said, I don't want nobody trying to pull her up out of her bed or whatever it is you people do. Well, we didn't know that the family was there saying their goodbyes because she's drugged up non-responsive in a hospice bed in the living room. So we come in, lights are low, soft, you know, soft music. People are weeping quietly. So we came in and we gathered around the bed and just quietly they began to pray. I heard some praying in tongues. I heard others praying in, in, in English. But I bent down and I, I whispered in this woman's ear. I said, I know you can hear me. I know you're in there. And I'm telling you right now that you are healed in Jesus' name. I rebuke cancer and the spirit of death from off of you right now in the name of Jesus. So, okay, guys, let's go. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. We, listen, we believe that the power of God is working inside of her right now. So watch, you'll see. So one of the women that came with us to pray that night, she calls me on, on Sunday, just freaking out over the phone. She said, you know, after church, I got to go get me some of that chicken at the store. And she tells me that she walked into the store and guess, was, guess who was in line getting chicken? That woman that had been on the hospice bed, not supposed to make it through the night. She said, hey, we prayed for you. You were dying. Her sister was there with her, the one that had met us at the door that night. She said, oh, we were trying to find out how to contact you guys. A miracle has taken place. She said that night after we left, most of the family went to the hotel to get some sleep for a bit. 
She said a few of us, of course, stayed there taking turns at the bedside. And morning rolled around and she started making some noises and we thought, oh, it's over. But she said all of a sudden she woke up and she said, give me a cup of coffee. So we did. And she got better and better until nothing. Nothing's wrong. She's been healed. And she wanted some chicken. So what's the point? The point is, is that we went. We made time to walk into an impossible situation with the gospel of peace. I've seen some ridiculous miracles, friends, thousands baptized in the Holy Ghost, some born again, demons cast out. Why? Because I went. Not because it was my job to do it. Not that I had time to do it. The devil will allow you to believe that, yes, it's all real and it's amazing, but you know what? You just don't really have time for that. Not right, not right now. Maybe next time. Let me tell you, I was working full-time in drywall, 10 hours a day, showering, going to healing school, recording a TV show, traveling to homes three or four times a week, sometimes driving over four hours to get somebody. Kids, games, radio station, ushering, here I am. Believe me, you have time. You have time. And here's the other thing. I would take my kids with me sometimes and tell them, hey, we'll go do something afterwards. Long story short, I end up in Kansas City praying for a woman that has stomach cancer, been fighting it for seven years, took my children with me, and it was my oldest, Lizzie, who laid hands on this woman, and the cancer disappeared instantly. The huge lump on her belly disappeared under Lizzie's hands right there in that living room. So get to work. I'm telling you, the regrets that come at the end of life, inevitable, it's inevitable that they're going to center around the neglect of eternal things. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace helps keep you from the deception that would rob you of the power of God on display in your life. Listen, he's not manifesting it to the couch potato. The three, the every third week Sunday churchgoer who's got no time for it. You have to respect that God is looking to use you. And that's got a lot to do with him. And it's got a little bit to do with you. But that little is the key that opens up big, big doors in your life and it closes other ones. Do not allow the devil to rob you of the joy that comes with fulfilling the call of God in your life by making you think you're just too busy, that you don't have time for the main thing, and that main thing is saving that which was lost. Come on, you gotta, you gotta take time to make time. And guess what? You're never going to regret doing so. So you know what? If you're too busy, you got some, some major priorities messed up in your life there, my friends. So come on, put on those shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that when you step out every day, everywhere you go, everywhere your feet go, that gospel is there. Entering the room before you even stepped in. Follow that. to know that you are equipped to handle anything that you come across and you can do it right now because i got my shoes on that's all the time i have for today thank you for joining me for the new old school podcast i am your host don allen until next time get those shoes on get going and you're soon going to find out that you have attempted the ridiculous and you are achieving the miraculous 